Enterprise Management 360. Hello, my name is Bob Tarzi, a freelance IT industry analyst, and I will be moderating this EM360 podcast, which will look at the new risks that arise for businesses through increasing digitization and how these risks can be addressed. The digitization of business processes is not new. It dates back over half a century to a time when secretaries with typewriters were being replaced by office workers preparing their own documents using word processors. However, the scope of digitization and the speed of adoption has increased in the last few decades as virtually every aspect of any business's operations is impacted from supply chains to customer relationships. Furthermore, the extent of vulnerable IT systems has expanded with the growing use of cloud platforms, the deployment of Internet of Things applications, and the bringing online of operational technology. The move to pervasive digitization has changed the risk profile of every business. In the past, if you wanted to disrupt a given business's operations and profits, you would need to arrange media campaigns, product boycotts, and or protests. Today, direct actions, often carried out anonymously, can be taken online. Either legitimate protests via social media or illegitimate digital sabotage of business processes. Businesses are also targeted for online financial crime and the theft of regulated customer data or intellectual property. All this means businesses have had to transform the way they assess risk. This affects everything from the in-house skills required, the way relationships with partners and customers are managed, and the insurance policies that are put in place. Managing digital risk requires the tools to assess where the risks lie, how to mitigate these risks, and how to measure the effectiveness of the protections put in place. To guide us through managing digital risk, I'm pleased to be joined by Peter Beardmore, Senior Director of Marketing for Digital Risk Management Solutions at the security company RSA. Hello, Peter. Hello, Bob. Thank you for having me. That's great. It's great to have you on the podcast. At RSA, you deal with enterprises from all sectors. Can you think of any areas of any of the businesses you deal with that are not impacted by digitization? I really can't. What we call digital transformation is affecting every industry. And in most industries, investing in emerging and disruptive technologies is no longer the differentiator that it might have been 10 or 15 years ago, but rather it's now compulsory. Companies need to invest in digital just to be competitive, to remain relevant, and to stay alive. So it's table stakes, basically. You, you, you have to be digitizing to compete in the modern economy. No doubt. So businesses have always had to assess, manage, and adapt to risk. I knew about that. I mean, for instance, some listeners may remember when there was no bulletproof glass screens between tellers and customers in bank branches. But as armed robbery increased, they had to put those sort of protections in place. However, would you say that for some businesses, at least, the majority of risk is now cyber risk rather than physical world risk? It's what we call digital risk. What's happening right now in most organizations, regardless of the industry that they're in, is that they're evolving into digital businesses. 
So for example, a Mercedes S-Class sedan today has roughly 100 million lines of code running through its various digital systems. Now, Mercedes is obviously an automobile manufacturer, but now they're also a digital company. They're high tech. And so the challenge is with every new emerging disruptive technology that an organization attempts to leverage, there are inevitably going to be new risks that the organization needs to absorb. And that's what the industry is beginning to refer to, as I mentioned before, as digital risk. These are the new risks that are beyond the traditional analog risks that organizations have historically needed to manage as part of their core competencies. And because we're connecting things that were never fathomed to be exposed to other business units, to partners, to customers, even to the public internet, there's a lot of exposure that organizations are just unaware of, they don't understand, and they certainly can't take the necessary actions on to mitigate and manage those risks. So more often than not, they're not even aware in a circumstance that they've been breached, that they've had a security incident. And if they do realize it, that comes only months later after the damage has been done, and they learn it from a third party or from one of their customers or from law enforcement. They don't even necessarily learn it from the organic tools that they've put in place. So that's interesting. There's a couple of really important points you made there. First of all, in the example you gave of a car manufacturer, in effect, cars are becoming IT platforms. And the differentiator for the manufacturers is as much in the software they put on those platforms as it is in the metal that makes the car. And I think the second point you made is digital risk also arises because legacy systems, the old systems organizations used to have in place, are being bought online. As I said, operational technology in, in, in the introduction that isn't necessarily new. It might be old stuff. So that's two obvious areas where digital risk arises where it would not have existed before. Is that my correct understanding of what you were saying? Yes. So not only are a lot of assets being connected and new risks evolving because of the digitization of products and services, but in the event, for example, that we're turning on you know, access to a new data pool someplace. Well, that may be well and good, but in a lot of organizations, just as you turn on that access, you haven't necessarily built out the processes and policies and control measures that are necessary, for example, to control access to that data in a way that makes sense with the needs of the business. So that's where organizations are really needing to rethink how they're managing their risk to include digital. But unfortunately, today in you know 2019, most organizations are still a bit flat-footed when it comes to their ability to manage digital risk. And so back to your earlier question, I believe that digital risk right now is the greatest facet of risk that organizations are facing. One other thing you mentioned is that often the awareness that something untoward has happened, often a business may become aware that something's happened through a third party, such as law enforcement or a partner that tells them. And does that mean that the process for measuring risk has to include these third parties and interacting with them? Well, yes. It actually means, particularly as we digitize our relationships with third parties, be they uh, suppliers, business partners, our ecosystem in general, a lot of times we're bringing on a lot of the risk 
that our suppliers have taken on themselves through these digital connections. We're no longer gapped by the physical separation between organizations. We're effectively becoming one in a lot of circumstances, at least when it comes to risk through the digital element. Uh, so that as well is, is something that needs to be considered. But you're right, more often than not, when a cyber breach occurs, it's actually happening because it's been detected through some sort of third party means. It might be a customer realizing that their their personal data has been exposed. It might be part of a law enforcement action. But unfortunately, when it comes to that point where you realize that there's been a breach and the information is coming from outside the organization, you're in reactive mode already. And ideally, you want to be well ahead of it and have a plan to deal with that sort of thing. So, so clearly, this external connectivity is one of the key differences between assessing digital risk compared with traditional risk. Would you identify any other major differences between the two? The key difference comes down to what I would call digital risk maturity. Most successful organizations today have reached what I call functional risk maturity or analog risk maturity. But when it comes to digital risk, you know, I said earlier, they're flat-footed. They're literally infants from a maturity. You've used the term analog risk twice now. Can you just give us an example of analog risk? Sure. So let's say that you're a transportation and logistics company. In the past, you might have managed risks associated with the safety of your machines and your transportation equipment, the cost of fuel, the cost of labor, liabilities associated with that organization, and a big one that a lot of transportation and logistics companies deal with is weather, right? How are they going to deal with changing conditions uh, in the environment and weather? Those are what I would call analog risks. The risks associated with usually the traditional physical practices of an organization that hasn't previously thought of itself as a digital organization. But increasingly, for example, in the case of a transportation and logistics company, I buy something from Amazon and I'm almost immediately getting an email and an app interaction from UPS or Federal Express or DHL or what have you. And so those businesses are very quickly becoming digital businesses. The digital realm is just as important, particularly for them when it comes to customer interactions, than their infrastructure. And therefore, there's all sorts of risks associated with that that need to be managed. So what sort of tools do organizations need to assess, measure and plan for digital risk, Peter? I don't want to sound overly cliche-ish, but it really requires people, process, and technology working in concert. So from a technology standpoint, there are ample tools out there today to detect and respond to cyber threats, to manage risk and compliance, to ensure that identities and access are, are fine, people are who they say they are, fraud prevention. The problem today is that the technology has been built in the form of tools meant to cater to a lot of siloed, bifurcated teams that exist in most organizations today, right? Specific to the needs of your IT department or your security department or your compliance department. So the first point here is we don't necessarily need more tools we need platforms that will enable people from all facets of the organization to identify risks wherever they might be. We call that pervasive visibility. To understand and prioritize those risks, because there's just no way that every risk 
can be addressed, right? There's just not enough resources. So do we have the information to analyze and prioritize risks and then deal with them? We might use analytics to help figure that out. We need to be able to connect to business intelligence to understand the value of assets, that sort of thing. And finally, we need to enable our people and systems to make the informed decisions to treat and act upon risks without undue technical complexity and endless steps and process management. So we're finding that combining machine learning and automation can be incredibly useful. One of our platforms is beginning to see patterns in how humans respond to certain incidents, and then they can present all the relevant information to those people and begin to automate some of the tasks. So it makes them a lot more efficient. And so at RSA, you know, we have platforms that are designed to facilitate the visibility, insight, and actions across organizations. And what we usually find is that when we start a conversation in an area such as detecting and responding to cyber threats with the RSA NetWitness platform, for example, very quickly our customers come to understand how technology can be leveraged across the organization and even with non-RSA products in other areas of their business. So again, it's about connecting the technology to enable the business as a whole. Same goes for RSA Archer Suite, which is today an industry leader in integrated risk management. The Secure ID Suite, which is part of RSA also, that's a longtime leader in identity and access assurance. A lot of people know us from you know, the old-fashioned one-time password tokens, but that's evolved into you know, really an extraordinary identity and access assurance platform. And then the RSA Fraud and Risk Intelligence Suite, which helps organizations, particularly in retail and banking, to protect their transactions from fraud. And so what we've done is we've built integrations amongst these platforms to enable the organization as a whole. In addition to all that technology, we also have some of the most talented people on the planet who work with our customers to ensure that they're going to be successful when they build out that digital risk maturity program and strategy that I mentioned earlier. You made an important point earlier. Clearly, organizations need this pervasive visibility to manage digital risk, and that requires an all-seeing platform. But you did say that that's not just about integrating with your own products, but integrating with third-party products. So an organization that's come into this new that has siloed security information systems, siloed IT systems, and is trying to establish that um, pervasive visibility, going to have other technologies in place. So the platform they select must be able to do that. Yes, exactly. Unfortunately, a lot of platforms that exist today exist in organizations because they were put there as a response to a compliance requirement. And they may not have that pervasive visibility capability that they really need to be able to do what we've been talking about. So just as an example, there's a segment of technology called SIM, Security Information and Event Management. Most organizations, most large organizations have SIMs. They were put there largely for compliance purposes, and they collect logs from all of the digital devices and software throughout the organization. And the idea is to be able to correlate some of that log information to be able to determine when bad things are happening. The problem is, is that logs are pretty narrow band of information that you actually need to be able to determine 
if an event is in fact occurring and then to be able to ferret out what exactly occurred and how to fix it. So in addition to logs, it really helps to have the packets themselves, right? To be able to put together what information is actually crossing the wire. Endpoint information, actually understand what endpoints are involved, where there may be malware or other bad things happening on endpoints and be able to investigate that information, NetFlow information. So when we talk about pervasive visibility, we're really talking about an awful lot more information than most organizations are collecting today because they've been built specifically around you know, very prescriptive compliance approaches. Once they have that visibility, however, they're able to kind of cross that chasm from being reactive to proactive, to going out, finding the bad guys on their network and making themselves part of the minority of organizations where when bad things happen, they can discover it themselves and not wait to hear from partners of law enforcement or you know any of the other entities that we talked about a little bit earlier on. Okay, so I think you've touched on this really, but the outputs from these tools are some of the things you've just discussed, but how does an organization make best use of these outputs to ensure the better management of digital risk? It usually starts when we're talking with any organization, it starts with a conversation about delivering upon a specific need or ask from an organization. So let's take PSD2, for example. That's the Payment Services Directive, yeah? Exactly. So this is a European Commission directive on payment services that's driving a lot of activity in RSA's fraud and risk intelligence suite right now. Essentially, it's sort of forcing organizations, it's leveling the playing field and forcing financial institutions and anybody that's dealing with payment services to be able to interact in a more transparent, more accessible manner. And these requirements are going to come into full effect later on this year in mid-September. And so as organizations are going through the process of modernizing and harmonizing their payment systems, they also need to ensure that the transactions will continue as seamlessly as possible, but also within the risk thresholds that the organization requires. So ultimately, as organizations begin to realize that they can manage everyday functions of the organization, like monetary transactions, based on risk tolerance, then they're actually able to report on the results of those decisions at all levels of the organization. It begins to rub off and it begins to become a pervasive approach, this digital risk management approach within the entire organization. Executives begin to ask, you know, how can we use this digital risk approach to manage third-party risk, as we talked about a little bit earlier, or journey to the cloud, or process and compliance management, or data privacy? Long list of business functions that begin to organically improve as organizations begin to take this approach. So that's the path to improving digital risk maturity that I talked about a little bit earlier. Interestingly, you talked a lot about the interaction with third parties, and that interaction has changed the concept of a user in recent years. It's expanded to embrace not just employees, but users from partners and business customers, and in many cases, consumers. So how do you adapt digital risk to deal with such user diversity? Great question. You know, it really comes down to that earlier theme that we talked about, about pervasive visibility. 
and drawing information from as many sources as possible, both inside as well as outside the organization. So let's take fraud. In many organizations, your fraud department, if you're in a financial institution, you might have a call center that is dealing with calls and and support requests from the customers themselves who may be dealing with transaction issues. You may have separate outside external fraud-related intelligence that's coming from services such as RSA's Fraud and Risk Intelligence Service. It's looking at credit card numbers that might be crossing the dark web or new malware that might be out there or that sort of thing. If these two functions aren't sharing information, then in all likelihood, a coordinated attack can really easily be missed. So it really comes down to two capabilities or what we call omni-channel, an omni-channel approach, getting information from wherever we need to get it from, and then being able to synthesize and analyze that information in a way that ultimately is usable by the organization itself. Therein lies you know, some of the, the real opportunity that comes from cloud computing, automated intelligence, our ability to take an extraordinary amount of data, find those nuggets, if you will, and then empower organizations to really act upon that information as we help them to connect those dots. Okay. Well, we've covered a lot of ground in this podcast, Peter. Some organizations will be advanced in their approach to digital risk management and familiar with many of the concepts you've talked about. But of course, others will be aware that they lag. Where would you recommend an organization that has to date made no specific plans to imagine in digital risk? Where would you recommend they start? So what I advise organizations to do is to think about where your main objectives are as an organization over the course of the next year is a good place to start. And focus in on how you can take a digital risk management approach to enabling that objective. Most organizations, when we start asking about what the key objectives are for the coming year from a digital standpoint, some common themes begin to emerge, right? Obviously, cyber breach is a, is a big one. We've touched upon that today. Third-party risk, super big issue. Process management, modernization of compliance functions in the organization. Journey to the cloud. Every organization is going through some sort of cloud transformation and how the risk management and security function is adapting to that cloud journey is obviously something to consider. And so if we look at those objectives and we look at them through the lens of digital risk management and think about how do we mature the organization to be able to see, understand, and act upon digital risks as they come about. As I mentioned earlier, not only will you ensure success or certainly improve the probability of success in that particular objective, but it's going to begin to rub off in other areas of the organization. The organization itself is going to improve its overall digital risk management maturity. So we don't suggest a boil the ocean approach, (laughs) certainly. Focus in on a particular area kind of build it from the ground up based on a risk assessment approach. We use a a frameworks approach in each one of these areas that we focus on and also rely upon trusted experts and advisors. RSA has, you know, about 750 of these folks, battle-tested experts 
located around the world with certainly expertise in certain practice areas like identity and, and cyber and risk management and fraud, but also a tremendous amount of experience in helping organizations succeed in bringing these capabilities together for the betterment of the organization. Digital risk management is not something that most organizations are experienced in. And so when you seek the help of folks who are experienced and have been successful in it, your probability of success is going to be that much higher. I think you've made it quite clear that the um, digital risk is something that's faced by all businesses. And it can sound a little bit daunting, a little bit scary, but it is something that can be addressed. And there's companies like RSA who are able to help organizations plan and manage their digital risk. So thanks very much to Peter Beardmore of RSA for providing these insights into managing digital risk. And thank you to all of you for listening to this EM360 podcast. For more podcasts like this, head to em360tech.com.